0: camp doesn't get started until september 21st but i am here today with the camp battle to watch good morning to you i'm looking forward to this one good friday morning i'm dan kovacevich of dk pittsburgh sports this is daily shot of penguins comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball i also offer daily shots of Steelers and pirates in the same place that you found this believe it or not There's hockey activity occurring in Cranberry. Taylor Haas, our beat writer at DK Pittsburgh Sports, has been up there the past couple of days. And you can find her work, her intensive, detailed work, on the live feed that we produce on our site. Among the names that you'll find listed as having arrived already into the fold, are Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin. Oh, and also, Radim Zahorna and Jeff Carter. Yeah, I know you don't kind of put those guys together here, but I've got some actual serious thoughts on Zahorna versus Carter as being the preeminent duel that'll take place. Hear me out on this, okay? Obviously, you know who your top two centers are. I just mentioned them. The only player, I believe, who has a solid known spot on the bottom six, meaning a specific spot, is Lars Eller as your third-line center. The Penguins have actually stated as much. And also, it's common sense. That means you don't have a fourth-line center. You've got candidates for it. But you don't have someone that you absolutely know is going to be there. And the truth is, if you sit down right now and I told you, take this roster and put together your fourth line, a lot of people, through gritted teeth, would put Carter's name in there. Well, I'm here to tell you, you don't have to. I don't even know how many fans, like diehard fans, realize that Zahorna was even back in the fold. Kyle Dubas brought him in. And bear in mind that Dubas had also brought him to Toronto, so Dubas likes him. Right around the time when there was a flurry of moves, and it was one out of like seven moves that day, and nobody was like, was Zahorna? Seriously? What? Because, again, it's not something that garnered any attention. Now, Zahorna has... (sighs) He's been kind of an odd case, and you'll remember this from his time in Pittsburgh, and that didn't change when he was in Calgary, and that didn't change in the very brief time he was in the Leafs organization. You see the size that he's got. That's what jumps out at you. He's six 6'6". You see the fluidity with which he carries that frame. He doesn't skate like he's oversized. He skates just about right. Not super fast, but he's not slow. He doesn't drag. He doesn't look awkward. He doesn't amble about the ice. You see the shot. You see the skill level. You see the possession ability. And then, by the way, when you dig into his more advanced metrics, you'll find that he's actually a pretty good defender. I don't know that the eye test supports that, but the numbers have invariably done that. And there's gotta be something to that, especially over a sustained span. Uh, He's also 27 years old. So even though he's markedly past prospect status, he's also got physical tools that can't be acquired or taught. And if he's put into the right environment, and bear in mind that I don't believe no matter how much Dubas would have liked Zahorna in bringing him to Toronto, that he would have done so in Pittsburgh without Mike Sullivan, especially since Sullivan coached him for an extended period of time. Having said, yeah, oh, sure, yeah, I wouldn't mind having him back. Guess what? He's the guy that would have to bump Carter. And in that scenario alone, just the thought that Sullivan would have been okay with having someone come along to supplant Carter or to send Carter up to the press box this this is this is heady stuff my friends this is stuff we should have been buzzing about all summer long because yeah it's a little bit complicated you keeps a horn up it affects your cap it affects whatever else who cares who cares you should have a player who's 27 and has some, any, upside who can move, who can defend without huffing and puffing, or not even trying, as Carter seemed to be resigned to do last season. Now, that doesn't mean Zahorna is going to end up in the top six spots or so, shall we say, for face-off efficiency. But he's not terrible at draws. He certainly wouldn't be new to the position. He's played center his whole life. He's taken a zillion of them. He's handled all of the defensive duties that come with it. He's also killed penalties, though. He's not necessarily great at that. I'm telling you, you can take any number of the various wingers that Dubas has brought into this mix and say, okay, you could have Drew O'Connor, for example, be your fourth-line center. You could have... Other guys who've spent some time at all three forward positions do that. Or you could just have someone who's done it forever. And, again, you could have someone who isn't a complete catastrophe in his own end. The plan, as it's been put forth publicly by Dubas and also later by Sullivan, was to have the bottom six principally defend. They're confident, and rightly so, that their top six will score. They're confident, maybe with cause, that their power play will produce. It kind of has to. But the bottom six, last season, you didn't get offense, you didn't get defense, you didn't get grit, you didn't get energy, you didn't get anything out of them. They were just a total wash. So, the cap situation being what it was you weren't about to go add a bunch of scorers what you can do is add guys who know what the heck they're doing over all 200 feet and i like a lot of this but i'll like it a whole lot better if i look over to my right in the press box and 77 sitting down there with the rest of the scratches when we come back j1q regular J1Q today since almost everybody who communicated with me after yesterday's episode had the same thing to say I'm going to address that instead and I hope I don't offend anybody here but I'm going to address it pretty emphatically the subject of yesterday's show was Kyle Dubas making more than one comment this summer that I found curious as it relates to the core of this franchise He expressed the following on June 1 at a press conference, and I'm going to read this to you verbatim. The way I view it is that if people want to bet against Mike Sullivan, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, and others, they can go ahead and do so. But I'm going to bet on them and go with them here. Now, Dubas would essentially echo that without using anybody's names in a piece that the team produced for its website earlier this week. You can interpret that how you want to. I am interpreting this, having dealt with general managers and sports executives for a lifetime now, as this man having the sense that there's doubt about the core guys, that there's doubt about still being able to win with Sid, Gino, Tang, or I guess now you can throw Eric Carlson into that. That original quote was before the Carlson trade. And I don't see, hear, or read that anywhere. Now, some of you replied with all kinds of, again, pardon me here for just being honest you wouldn't want me to be any other way if you're listening to this show on a regular basis right i heard stuff about uh, message boards and blog comments and random independent podcasts and stuff like that and i'm like do you really think that an nhl general manager is listening to that do you think that's where he's getting this from do you know how many hours in the day these people go. Dubis's own specific reputation from the time he was in Toronto was that he's a workaholic. you had to yank him away from the rink, away from the office. And even though he's a younger guy and it's feasible that he would know how to use the internet, this idea that he's checking to see what fans are saying about him is beyond bizarre. So my feeling, on this is that this GM gets this vibe, which clearly has struck him at a certain nerve from somewhere that matters, like meaning within the industry. As I said on the original show, I don't know where it comes from with him. But I do know that if there's some sort of swell viewpoint that Sid or Gino or Tanger are washed up or whatever else here, that is not something I've seen, heard, or read. Of course I know about the skepticism related to the team overall. They just missed the playoffs right in front of all of our faces. That's not exactly a hot take on anyone's part. Hey, the Penguins aren't what they were. Of course they aren't. They won back-to-back Cups. Then they got eliminated. Then they started getting eliminated in the first round. Last year, they didn't make it at all because they lost to the bleeping Rockford Ice Hogs on home ice. But there's a canyon of difference between saying that and saying that the core is getting doubted. That I have not seen, heard, or read. And that was my point. I was curious where he might have gotten that impression from anybody, anywhere. Now, all that said, I love you for listening to this show. I really do, especially in what my this is. This is September. It's the early part of September and you're listening to a hockey show because only hockey fans can do that sort of thing. I'm with you. I've been one of you for the longest, longest time. And I can't wait until there are real hockey things to talk about. Let's do another one of these on Monday, guys.